At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weiner, alongside Thomas Carinante. The New York Yankees could have had Corbin Burns, but the Milwaukee Brewers are playing, asking the Yankees for a God-tier package while settling for some solid prospects from the Baltimore Orioles, a package that the Yankees undoubtedly could have matched, but they decided to make us exceed it, so we don't have him. We'll be talking about the latest update from John Heyman today. You can be sure while also going through players on the Yankees 40-man roster who should not be here any longer. With spring training on the horizon, the 40-man used to have a lot of room to move around. It is now full. Gary Sanchez has signed a contract with not the Boston Red Sox, so that's kind of sick. And it's becoming clearer than ever that Scott Boris screwed Blake Snell out of potentially being a Yankee and currently having a job in Major League Baseball whatsoever. Thanks for joining us live today, 2 o'clock Eastern Thursday. We promise we're a little bit late. I was on the phone with uh, a Major League Baseball team. Hmm, which one? That's your guess. You People can guess. Uh, we can also be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and yes, we are excited about the Bogdanovich, Alec Burks trade. The New York Knicks are pretty deep, pretty good, when healthy. But joining me today, Thomas Carinante, as always, thank you, first of all. Thank you for being here. Second of all, you got an offer before we hop into the podcast. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for showing up, everybody. DraftKings is here with us in spirit um, and in the offer realm. And in practice. Yeah, in the in the realm of... Uh, realm of offers. Um, anytime we can give you guys some help, we're going to do it. Um, and DraftKings has a fantastic sign-up bonus for new users Super Bowl is this Sunday, betting for many other sports, uh, basketball, uh, NBA, college basketball, um, uh, hockey, if you do that. Um, that's a little wild, but uh, women's college basketball, plenty of stuff, plenty of stuff to do. So you, um, if you have not yet joined DraftKings, head on over to the site um, or the app. Um, and if you're a first-time user, you sign up, you use our code YanksGoYard. You punch that in right in the beginning. Um, you place a $5 bet on anything, and you will instantly claim $200 in bonus bets. You will also be rewarded with a separate no-sweat single-game parlay every single day when you opt in. Those little rewards, they they, they pop up in your rewards tab. It's uh, it's very fulfilling. Um, and then you select them. Use them to your advantage um, and to your pleasure. The best part is, is that even if this $5 bet that you place loses, you still get all the rewards. Boom. And on top of that, you punch in that code Yanks Go Yard. You're not only getting all of these benefits, but you're supporting us, Adam and Thomas, the Yanks Go Yard podcast, YanksGoYard.com, all the fun stuff that you like. Um, so that'd be really nice and helpful um, in the new year, 2024. We're trying to do big things. We want you guys here along for the ride. Great way to start us off. Um, again, punch in that code Yanks Go Yard when you're signing up. First time users. It's available to new customers who are only 20, uh, who are 21 and older and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode descriptions for full terms of the offer to see if you qualify. Um, man, if they had odds on um, the Brewers trying to completely screw us in trade talks with Corbin Burns, I would have taken whatever it was. I would have taken any any number um, and bet any amount of money. And maybe yeah. DraftKings would have offered like a, yeah. a an odds boost for that. Hey, it's minus 10 million, but we'll give you minus 5 million. 
Do we, can we start with that? Do, I mean, do we want to start, start with that? that. Start with really that. Should because, look, who among us did not know that there is no way, as soon as we saw the trade package that actually went down between the Orioles and Brewers, where D.L. Hall, who's been in the bullpen for the Orioles, but will start for the Brewers, plus Joey Ortiz, plus a competitive balance round pick, go to Milwaukee for one year of Corbin Burns. Now, one thing is true. The Orioles put a draft pick in there, a borderline first rounder, something that the Yankees cannot offer because you can't trade a first rounder. You can trade a comp pick and the Yankees don't have any of those. So we couldn't have said, well, we'll trade you the 26th pick instead of their 39th. We, that can't be done. So factually, the Orioles had an advantage of being able to trade this draft pick. But two prospects from their loaded farm system loaded farm system uh mlb pipeline is not the be-all end-all baseball america is my more trusted source but neither of these two people are in the mlb pipeline top 100 uh dl hall again reliever of the big league level so far supposed to be a starter in milwaukee joey ortiz slick fielding third baseman but the orioles have the kind of farm system that if you want the orioles to trade with you you can really try to make it hurt that is what the white Sox have been doing all offseason long with dylan sees because the Orioles have an absurd amount of top 30 prospects nationally. Jackson Holiday, number one overall. You're not getting him. But you could get uh, Basalo, 17th overall, the catcher, first baseman. Colton Towser in the outfield. Heston Kerstad uh, up there. Kobe Mayo, third base, first base, hybrid. Those are all in MLB Pipeline's top 32. So pretty much top 30. Brewers didn't get any of those guys. Joey Ortiz, sorry. So Sorry is number 63 on that pipeline list. I apologize. Because he's now ranked as a brewer. So I scanned past him when I was looking for Orioles. But pipeline does not rank Deal Hall in the top 100. They were teasing in that range. So the Yankees can't trade that draft pick, but what they definitely can do is Everson Pereira, Oswald Peraza, Roderick mm-hmm. Arias. Right? Chase Hampton, sure. Oswald Peraza, Everson Pereira. That's a package I would have deemed light, until I heard the Orioles package, which includes the worst of their top 100 infield prospects and a pitcher who's going to have to go back to the rotation after spending time in the bullpen. Might be good. Might not be ready for that. Who knows? Either way, not the upper echelon Orioles prospects that they should have been asked to trade. Who do they ask the Yankees for? Thomas Carinante. Why weren't the Yankees able to trade Everson Pereira, Roderick Arias, and Chase Hampton? Which I might have said, well, that's a little bit of an overpay. A little iffy on that already, but... Why wouldn't the Yankees have been able to do that exactly? Who did the Brewers want in exchange for a player that they surrendered for much lesser value? Cool. Let me check my notes. Um, yeah, I, wrote this, I wrote it down earlier. Um, Spencer Jones. They wanted Spencer Jones. Give me a break. And look, I could see a world in which the Brewers saying, just give us Spencer Jones and we'll call it a day. One for one swap. Um, and do I deem that insane? Not necessarily. I think if they're going to shoot their shot, um, they're not getting Dominguez. I think every other team knew that. Mm-hmm. So your next best thing is the Yankees' number two prospect um, in Spencer Jones, who, again, may not pan out to be anything, but the early returns have largely been good. He had a little bit of a hiccup um, this past season, but the Aaron Judge comps are there. The power is real. The exit below is real. The athleticism, the defense, all of it is real. It's just him. It's a matter of him putting it all together. Um, but you'd have to imagine they asked for Spencer Jones and other stuff. Um, we don't have the uh, complete details on that from the insiders. We have John Heyman revealing this tidbit, and it was the same case with the Dylan Cease trade talks. Um, they started with Spencer Jones, um, and that's where they wanted to go, and the Yankees would not uh, uh, entertain that. Corbin and- Burns is like if Spen- it, Corbin Burns is like if Dylan Cease was actually good. Yes. It's like if the metrics on Dylan Cease were a real person, he'd be Corbin Burns. And so yeah. you trade top talent for Corbin Burns if you have a chance to get him and if you have the chance to block the Orioles from getting him, but not Spencer Jones plus. Exactly. Um, Andy Martino, two days before we wrote about this, um, said that the Yankees deemed the Brewers asking price as too steep. And then we came back and we said, wait a second. What was the asking price then? Because we're looking at this Orioles trade package, and it indeed doesn't seem too steep. Number six and seven prospects. So like you said, if you go with anywhere in that range with uh, Arias, um, 
uh, what? My, Will Maya, Warren? Maya, Maya, Will Warren. I mean, we're all trying to trade Maya at this point just because he's so far away. We have so many outfielders. And they yeah. know that too. But Pereira, I mean, if you look at exit velocity in the minors, yeah. don't be fooled by Pereira's garbage month with the Yankees with all those strikeouts. Like, he and Spencer Jones have the top-tier exit velocity of any one of Baseball America's top 100 offensive prospects. And again, I trust Baseball America over a pipeline. I just don't have the subscriptions. That's why I'm going down pipeline. Believe you me. Baseball America likes the Orioles system too. They rank all these guys in the top tier and they're less enthused by Hall and Ortiz than they are by those top guys. Um, Pereira is a get still. And so if the A's hear that Orioles offer, there's no good reason that Pereira, Warren, and Peraza should not match or potentially exceed that Orioles offer. But apparently Milwaukee is intent on gutting the Yankees and not making this process painful whatsoever for the Orioles, who will not miss this comp pick or DL Hall or Joey Ortiz at all. That doesn't mean they're not good players. That just means the Orioles go, oh my God, we gave up none of the guys that we didn't want to touch. That's incredible. And now we have Corbin Burns. That's amazing. Yeah, I um, I know here you're going to have to give to get, like not denying that whatsoever. But, oh, but the Orioles didn't. The Orioles didn't have to give to get. So. <laughs> I think I, you're, yeah, I, I would agree with that. Subjectively, I agree with that in probably the way the Brewers were thinking about it. It was like, this is the most stacked farm system in baseball. They have constantly been hitting home runs with all these picks. Like if we can't gut them for anybody in their top five, People outside the top five are pretty damn good or would be able to at least fit our picture. The Yankees, admittedly, have an inconsistent or non-existent track record with prospects and international signings. Um, I, we know it's coming around. Hey, we're not being hey, – look, Yankees front office, we we are uh, – we're acquiescing over these mm -hmm. last few months. I don't know if you've noticed, but I um, hope you're reading the good stuff and listening to the good stuff. But, yeah, things have turned around. Um so uh, for the Brewers to start there, um, and I would probably guess that if Spencer Jones was in the Orioles system, where would he be? Four, three? He'd be right around. I mean, the projections love him more than the reality loves him yeah. right now. But I don't see why he wouldn't be around Kerstad, why he wouldn't be like yeah. the fourth or fifth guy in that system. But, uh, you know, theoretically – Pipeline has him in the 80s for the Yankees. Pipeline is the low man on Spencer Jones and yeah, the yeah, high yeah. man on the Orioles' entire system. Everybody else thinks Spencer Jones is like a 50 to 60 range in the top 100 guy right now with the potential to be a top 10 guy by next year mm -hmm. in the same way that Roman Anthony exploded this year. Like you look at everything underlying and it's like, yeah, we can't move him up the list because of his production last year, which was lesser than what he put forth the year before. But we're all pretty unified on the fact that he's going to rise up the rankings next year. And Pipeline is the only one where they're like, eh, we're keeping him in the 80s. Uh, look, I don't know, but all I know is that everyone agrees Jones is kind of a unicorn and you don't surrender a unicorn if you don't have to. Yeah, and there, there are two things here that I'd like to further elaborate on. So let's say the Yankees did trade Spencer Jones and one other person for Corbin Burns, because I really doubt it would have been one for one swap. Um, you trade a potential future cornerstone, which you know what you might have to do if you're dealing for an elite ace, but guess what? There's another problem here. You're paying double Corbin Burns, salary because you're in the Steve Cohen tax. You're, you're beyond the Steve Cohen tax th threshold. So Corbin Burns $15 million salary now turns into a $30 million expenditure. So now you're staring down and look, I don't, I, I do not care about the money. Um, it's not my money. It's a billionaire enterprise money. But when the Yankees are weighing that decision, they're looking at it through both of those lenses. They're looking at, okay, like what's this going to look like from a, a public perception standpoint where we're dealing someone like Spencer Jones, who's a pretty well-known name in the prospect ranks and especially our organization. He's drawn comparisons to Aaron Judge. Um, his athleticism is off the charts. He's a very uniquely built athlete. Um, so there is a lot of potential regret there, which I understand. And then when you add in the fact that you're paying double the money, that probably sours it a little bit. I'm just telling you what the thinking is there. Secondly, um, this doesn't have anything to do with the you know the like the the reality or the the results of the trade, but um, I, this is to me the purest example of a Yankees tax. Um, and I get why teams don't want to trade with us 
to make us better because we had our reign on MLB and particularly the Yankees are a hated team, which I totally understand. Yeah. Um, I'm sure Brian Cashman is not fun to talk to on the phone either. Um, probably a very unenjoyable, boring, dry phone call. Um, and you know that he is probably trying to bully you around. Um, and you're not for that. You're Matt Arnold. You're not for that. So we're paying the dry phone call yeah. tax too. Is that yeah. what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I got to talk with this guy. All right. That's, that's yeah. another top five. Player. I hate this loser. So <laughs> let's get rid of that comp pick. Let's put a, let's put a better player in there. Um, the, here, I think this is where the Yankees tax exists because you look at the differences in the trade package. You know that draft picks don't count for anything. They simply don't. It doesn't even matter if you like a particular draft class. If you're picking in the thirties, that is the equivalent of picking in what the third round in the NFL. It's not even not even comparable. There's there is no way that the Brewers felt so confident about how deep this draft is that they're like, you know what, that number thirty seven pick, that's that's the deal breaker. That's going to make all the difference here. Um, the talent gap or the suspected talent gap here is the main issue because Spencer Jones is clearly a larger and more impactful name than any of the players that changed hands here. Yeah. So we have people on the other side who don't, you know, who would think that we're just crying. Yankee fans are just whining, figure out something to cry about. They just got Juan Soto. Well, guess what? The reason we got Juan Soto was not because there wasn't a Yankees tax. It was because the Yankees were the only suitor out there that could satiate the Padres needs. The Padres needed a ton of starting pitching, major league fringe level pitching. And the Yankees were the only team out of the the, um, the 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 others willing to trade for Juan Soto that actually had the framework to make a deal happen. And yes, the Yankees capitalized on the Padres' desperation with having to clear payroll um, and having to get something for Juan Soto uh, because they knew they probably weren't going to be able to contend this year given all the other pieces that they lost. But the Yankees were uniquely positioned to make that trade happen, and yes, they did manage to absorb you know, uh, to you know absorb the least amount of hit there. I would say I would say that trade is is the best Brian Cashman could have possibly done without surrendering the assets that he was truly um, high on although, and the organization was high on. Although, although I mean that was the package that was rumored up top of the discussions, like yeah. hey, these might fall apart because the Yankees don't want to pay King Thorpe Brito Vasquez, and we were all like, I mean, I would do it, but I get it. And then we waited and then we waited for Brian Cashman to negotiate. And then he was like, yeah, it's what the package is. It's the guys that I didn't want to trade earlier. So it's not the Yankees tax, but in a scenario where the Yankees are, like you said, the only suitor, Brian Cashman still had to pay that full quartet of people when he mm -hmm. probably would have rather surrendered three and a lower tier lottery ticket or something like a Brito Vasquez and one of Thorpe and King. The Padres still got all four, which I, I am in favor of. I would do it again, but Cashman tried to negotiate that down saying we are the only game in town. We're not giving you all four of those guys. And he still had to relent to get the job done. Yeah. And look, it, it is what it is. Um, but you're right. I mean, that that's, that's more ammo in, in our uh, end of the argument because we, I think the only name that ended up being taken out of there, the Hampton was rumored mm -hmm. initially at the top. It was like Hampton um, and Thorpe. And then, you know, all the, and then, uh, the number of these other guys. And then at that point they were like, all right, we're not giving you two, yeah. you know, top 10, but like that's and crazy. Heyman, Heyman at one point was like, and two more. And it was like, yeah. well, what's the two more? And it was Higashioka and one more. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, I mean, look, the, the Yankees were the only team able to give the Padres what they needed and they did it. And now they're trying to explore other trade packages and the Brewers just doing this is odd. Um. I understand that there might be, higher value on Orioles prospects again, because of the great work that they've done over the last few years. Um, but if this trade works out in their favor it, to a degree that we were never expecting, um, I, I would be shocked. Absolutely shocked. Yeah. I, I don't know what happened. I know exactly what happened here, but um, maybe, they're <laughs> just, maybe they're just going down the MLB pipeline rankings. Maybe no one gave them a baseball America subscription either so that they like, didn't know that Everson Pereira is still highly valued by the prospect community. Cause for me, Pereira Hampton and another, a third name, someone further away feels like a better package than what the Orioles gave. And don't give me this deal breaker that the Yankees couldn't offer the draft pick and Baltimore could, I know that the Yankees couldn't, but I think that the Yankees could have offered something more valuable 
then a complete unknown. Instead, we're doing the Peter Griffin mystery box as the deal breaker between the Yankees and Orioles getting Corbin Burns. Like, it could be anything. It could even be someone roughly equivalent to the 38th overall pick. Oh, cool. Like, great. Let's see what's behind door number four. Like, I, I, I was frustrated with Yamamoto, obviously, because the Yankees staked their offseason on Yamamoto, and the fact that they didn't get him is the reason why people are saying they're having an underwhelming offseason, even though they objectively are having a good one. But he wanted to go to the Dodgers, and none of the plan Bs on the market make any sense. Snell, Montgomery, at that price, cease, except for Corbin Burns, who we were told was not available, and was available and went to a division rival for a price that the Yankees could have paid, but weren't asked to pay. So this is more annoying than Yamamoto to me. Yamamoto wanted to be a Dodger. The Yankees didn't have Otani. It is what it is. It's annoying they staked their offseason on someone who played them, as Andy Martino kind of laughed about this week, saying, like, Teams that didn't get him are grateful they didn't get him. They can't believe it went to Garrett Cole's range, which makes more sense than saying we'll never pay anyone more than Garrett Cole's making. Saying we'll never pay a Japanese importer who's never played Major League Baseball before more than what Garrett Cole's making. And how did he possibly get to that level before ever throwing a pitch? Makes more sense than just saying we'll never do it. But that situation ended up being based on a number of factors. The Yankees can't move to the West Coast, right? Literally not possible. You'd be mad if they did. probably can. You'd be mad if they did, though. You'd be like, oh, man, oh, I, really like pissed, yeah. I like them because they play in New York, and now they play in San Diego just to get Japanese players. That sucks. Now they're in so, Sacramento. They can't do that. They they can't do that. They can't get Otani, and so I guess you just have to move on there. But we were told Burns wasn't available. And then overnight, he's on your division rival, and yeah. he, cost a, he cost a package that you could have easily matched, but you were told to match a different unreachable star, which is why this is annoying. Yeah, I'm annoyed. I am. Um, I mean, I, I was annoyed. I'm over it. This was a week ago. I'm, I'm not, over it. I'm screaming because I'm yeah. this is a, a television show on, on YouTube.com yeah. about uh, the New this York This is Yankees. an act. Yeah, it's I, all an I'm, act. I'm not that mad anymore. Honestly, I've, I'm almost on the podcast IL today. I've got like I got like a cut on my tongue. It's very hard to talk. So honestly, everybody should be thanking me and, and tipping us in the, <laughs> in the tip jar. Because honestly, this is tough. Uh, it, it's tough to podcast. Uh, you got to believe me. But yeah, I'm no longer angry about this. It's just like, of course, that's exactly what happened. And and hope, I mean, the Orioles were a 100-win team last year, flamed out in the playoffs, flamed out in the playoffs, didn't do anything, non-competitive in last year's postseason. If that was the Yankees, we'd be very annoyed, very yeah. annoyed with that. Yeah. Uh, and so they needed to make a move like Corbin Burns, who they have not extended. And uh, spoiler alert for future editions of the Yankees tax, you're going to hear every single fucking day about how the Yankees traded for Juan Soto, but Juan Soto isn't signed beyond this year. And isn't that crazy? And I don't actually think he's staying. And why would the Yankees mortgage their future like that? And they better win now. You are not going to hear that said fucking once about Corbin Burns, who is also not extended beyond this year. It's just going to be like, big win for the O's. Got to get yeah. that ace. Grab that ace. Good job. Young team. Got that ace. Neither one of them signed beyond this year, but you're only going to hear the Yankees raked over the coals for doing What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah. Um, and I will add one more thing here before we move on. Because um, I'm seeing a lot of Orioles discourse. Um, and I think Fangraph's. Fangraphs uh, laid the law down yesterday um, because Orioles fans were not happy about the projections because who, who cares about projections? Why are you doing this? Why does anybody care what a machine says? Play the season. You're getting, the machine you're getting is always wrong. The, machine, the machine is, is wrong. Always wrong. The Dodgers and Astros and Braves have won the world series every year. According to the machine. That is not true. The, the projections exist for no reason other than to get fans riled up and to make somebody feel slighted or to make somebody feel and be, be you know why because there was never like 
there's never a Cinderella projection. You're never seeing it's like, oh, you know, the Pirates this year, 91 win team. There's no doubt about it. And everyone's like, whoa, what are you kidding? It's it's always just the the biggest name or um or like the hottest team from the year before just doesn't get like the the respect that that fan base thinks it deserves. Nonetheless, I would say the Orioles outmatched their projections last year um, mm-hmm. by a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard to maintain that. So I am going on the record right now. And I am saying that I do not care that the Orioles have Corbin Burns. I don't think it's going to make as big as as big of a difference as everybody thinks it might. Um, am I worried about him in um, in a short playoff series or down the stretch when the Yankees need to win games to either uh, keep pace in the wild card or uh, maintain a division lead? Sure. Yeah, Corbin mm-hmm. Burns is a great pitcher. The Orioles are a good team. But until the Orioles show me that they can sustain this, beyond one year they've done this now for one year this team has been a laughing stock since what 2014 2015 somewhere around 15, there 15 yeah they yeah. got bounced out of the playoffs in 2014 in pretty embarrassing fashion was that the year swept in the cs by the royals yes. oh it was the cs i thought it was a ds okay sorry so they made the cs that's great so since 2015 they have been nothing but garbage as a result of this rebuild and the organization's plans or whatever but like until this success can be maintained for longer than eight months, um, until uh, this new ownership shows that they're going to actually be a force to be reckoned with on the open market, which is still going to take time because they can't do anything in free agency until theoretically mm-hmm. next year, unless they were to sign, I guess, Blake Snell or Cody Bellinger when, you know, this sale goes, the sale didn't go through, right? It's still, it's got to go through all this shit. Yeah, Thanks. Carlos Carlos Baerga said they're about to sign Snell and J.D. Martinez and Gary Sanchez. But, oop, that's not true because Gary Sanchez went somewhere yeah. else. So. so, Corbin Burns to the Orioles, very cute, very nice, important impact move for the Orioles to make um, with the lack of pitching that the Orioles have in general. I, I don't know that this makes them an absolutely – you know, an absolute behemoth that we should be fearing um, every single day. Uh, their offense is very impressive. Their young core that they have is is one of a kind. Uh, but again, until this can be sustained, um, until we could see this, if we could see this replicated into this year, sure, I'll, I'll buy in. A hundred plus win team, you know, relentless offense, um, uh, not great pitching that's somehow translating, fine, sure. But it's been one year. Corbin Burns is here for one year and he's not here longer than that because the Orioles are not signing him to a $300 million contract. Um, so yeah, I'm not, that's why if this was the Red Sox, I would be furious um, because you know that there'd be a potential to maybe sign him. Well, I mean, not the state of the Red Sox, these Red Sox suck, but if this was a good Red Sox team, I would be furious. Any other team in this division, I'm not scared. Well, I would rather lose to the Orioles than the Red Sox anyway. Yes. But, uh, can't wait to watch that Netflix documentary, by the way, which either proves <laughs> either proves that MLB is rigged or it's the worst idea for a Netflix documentary ever. The 2024 Red Sox, uh, Tristan Casas, Rafael Devers in a Dream, Nick Pavetta. Great. Can't wait to watch that behind the scenes, uh, all access pass to one of the least interesting rosters in modern baseball. And by the way, oh, Yankees bias. Oh, everyone's so biased. Everyone won't shut up about the Yankees. Man. Yankees, Yankees, Yankees. Netflix greenlit two Red Sox documentaries yesterday. The first in-season baseball documentary they've ever done, which is probably going to interest uh, the founder of The Ringer, Bill Simmons, as well as the founder of Barstool Sports, Dave Portnoy, the two biggest <laughs> new media brands, both run by Bostonians. So Yankees bias, blah, blah, blah. Uh, literally shut up. All of the major media brands are run by Bostonians. I am proudly the only New York Yankees fan in media. Thomas and I are the only two. Yeah. Uh, so good for us. We're the only two guys. Um, shall we talk a little bit about the 40-man problems yeah. heading into spring training? Sure. Um, although also, so the Orioles are, are more athletic than the Yankees at this point in time. Yeah. I would say that that is worrisome, and they're just they're only getting more younger and, and, and athletic. But the Yankees didn't have Juan Soto last year. The Yankees didn't have a balanced lineup last year. The Yankees pitching was a worst case scenario last year and should be better. We will see. Uh, the projections, the robots love us. So we'll see if we can actually live up to the robots uh, for once in our lives. It would be fantastic. But let's talk about the issues on the edges of the 40-man roster right now because the Yankees uh, might be done heading into camp. Feels like they are after getting Caleb Ferguson. The 40-man is once again capped out. It is full. Once upon a time, a couple weeks ago, they were able to absorb some Dodgers 
in exchange for Trey Sweeney because the Dodgers roster was full and ours wasn't, but now ours is. Um, Roberto, if Boston offered me a job, would I accept? Absolutely not. No chance, no interest. And, and they would they would scrub my old tweets and be like, wait, what are we doing? No, <laughs> we're not hiring you. You're extremely rude to Dustin Bedroya and his brother in 2013. Um, don't Google what his brother did. Anyway, um, there's some roster casualties that still needed to take place here. Uh, the Yankees 40 man is not uh, flexible at this point in time. Nope. Uh, they're signing people on minor league deals. Uh, and that's good. And I think they're going to sign people to a couple more minor league deals. Stay tuned for a piece that's going to run this weekend and what I think they can do. Uh, some people are going to get mad. But I think more spring training invites are on the horizon, but no more 40-man moves because they're clogged up. But there are people here who just are not going to last past mid-April. Uh, and, and as soon as the Yankees need to make an injury-related move, these people are as good as gone. And only one of them is even a little bit promising at this juncture. I I'll let you talk through the, the fodder here. Yeah. Um, I, and look, everyone's working hard. We know everyone's working hard, but um, there are clear deficiencies on the roster and uh, the Yankees have a lot of excess of things that they don't necessarily need um, or guys who more, more so guys who are just yeah, have no roles. Um, and we have been completely frustrated with how this team has constructed this roster where it seemingly just added people for the sake of filling out spots mm -hmm. um, with a lack of direction. Um, so first and foremost, um, this is probably the easiest one. We have five catchers. Five catchers is not sustainable. We it still is, have five catchers. It's crazy. Yeah. I don't know how um, this is the case. Um, we're sitting here and we know that it's Austin Wells and Jose Trevino as the major league players on on the, the the active roster and then you have ben rortvet who's garrett cole's boy um uh, i guess we should apologize for thinking that relationship was sour it's not garrett cole apparently loves him and just likes mm -hmm. to fuck around with him which i respect now that's that's really cool um and he has options so he'll be coming back and forth between triple a and the bigs uh lefty bat which helps in when you got to balance the lineup uh who knows what injuries are going to happen you know they're going to happen um and you have Augustin Ramirez, power hitting prospect. Both here, Augustin Ramirez and Carlos Narvaez were protected from the Rule 5 draft. Um, Narvaez is 25. Ramirez is 22. Um, Narvaez does not sport the power that Ramirez does. Um, I And his defense slipped when he got to AAA. So Narvaez is my odd man out among this crew. Mm -hmm. um, do I think he possesses value? Sure. I think most catchers actually possess value. If you are competent at calling games and you could put the bat on the ball every once in a while, like that is what a calling card for a catcher is. But to have five catchers here and you to be the, the weakest link out of the five very clearly, I don't know how this is still an occupied roster spot. Then next for me is the bullpen. Um, I understand we need left-handed pitchers. I am very much aware of that. However, there, to me, don't seem to be any role for Matt Crook or Nick Ramirez. Why? Matt Crook is 29. He was called up last year in June. He sat on the bench for 12 games before making his debut. And then the Yankees thought it would be a good idea to debut him at Fenway Park after going down 5-0 against mm -hmm. the Red Sox. And um, he proceeded to get absolutely shelled. Justin Turner hit uh, an absolute rocket home run off of him. To well, don't worry because he almost got out of it. But Josh Donaldson flubbed a grounder, allowing yeah. Justin Turner to come to the plate and True. destroy a grand slam and ruin his life. Yeah. Um, still, however, terrible debut. And then really, what did him in was the September performance against the Brewers, where he allowed four runs and didn't record an out. Um, and that was that. So he had four tries at the major league level. He had one clean slate out of those. And then every other outing, he gave up at least two earned runs. It was four, it was five, two, and four. Um, so take out the bad performances. The fact that he had four outings last year when the Yankees needed pitching help as much as they did, just in terms of from an innings eating perspective, I don't know what the point of Matt Crook is if the Yankees are not. The Yankees moved him from starter role to a relief role. You would think to use him as a swingman out of the bullpen to come in and, you know, eat, be, be a Lucas Litke, eat mm -hmm. two, three, four innings at a time in a disaster game. Or, you know, if you're rolling in a game where the bullpen is tired out and it happens to be a close game and, and you're riding it, keep going. Great. 
but he wasn't utilized for that. I don't see how he's going to be utilized for that entering. I think it's his age 30 season coming up. Um, either way, that's far too old for a player who has had limited major league experience. And then to throw in no role with that doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, and then you have Nick Ramirez, who actually had a good year. I didn't mind Nick Ramirez whatsoever. No. Here's the kicker, though. Um, he was great in outings that did not matter. His his performance in low leverage um, outings was immaculate. And then once you put him in a high leverage performance, it was an absolute disaster. He had 10 games in high leverage performances, gave up nine runs. I um, I wouldn't again i wouldn't mind having all of these guys on the roster if there was a clear uh plan in mind i i I, there doesn't seem to be i don't i don't think there is and based on the evidence that we have from last year with the usage and with the performances and situations that the yankees would need somebody to step up the it doesn't warrant a spot for these guys and then you have all these other injured players coming back um that need to get innings and need to get back into a rhythm to return to form um, and to me, it seems like these players would just be standing in the way to figure out, you know, figure out how to get them back on track. So I don't know. Th- those are my three. Um, and it's it, it's just a lack of clarity here and, and odd decisions by the Yankees with compiling this roster so far. Yeah. Uh, and these guys probably are not long for the team. Matt Crook, again, I know the reason he's here is because he was a Ray once upon a time. And they're yeah. like, oh, a, an available Ray? starter from the upper minors great let's go ahead and grab that guy but last year i had high hopes i had high hopes for him it was among the worst performances in a regular season i've seen over and over again and nick ramirez i would say in the belichickian way of like why wouldn't you get rid of him a year too early rather than a year too late mid 30s soft tossing lefty who's only valuable in low leverage situations Mm. they're gonna go with luke weaver as the bulk guy this year uh, they've got Cody Poteet, they've got Cody Morris, they've got two higher ceiling lefties in Victor Gonzalez and Caleb Ferguson, and and honestly, Crook has a higher ceiling than Nick Ramirez. So I'm thankful for his service last year, but we're much more likely to look back at that and go, why is when did Nick Ramirez do that, and and why did he do it, and how did he how did he have a 2023 season like that? Then we are to ever say, man, the you should have never given up on Nick Ramirez. As for the catchers. I guess you can stash Rortvet at AAA. Narvaez or Rortvet are the odd men out. Ramirez is a top prospect, and they protected him this offseason so he didn't get grabbed in the Rule 5. Uh, I would I would contend that Rortvet does not have much to gain from playing at AAA, whereas Narvaez might, which is why yeah. I might keep Narvaez, split time between him and Torrens, and shop Rortvet, who is sort of a known quantity and could be someone's backup catcher right now. I guarantee you, but shouldn't be on the Yankees roster. Uh, So either way, though, one of those two guys got to go. I'm sorry. Five catchers was funny in November, much less funny now. (laughs) Pitchers and catchers report next week, and they're going to actually have to share a locker room. The Yankees still have five catchers on the 40-man plus Luis Torrens. The clubhouse guys are going to be like, man, that's too many fucking catchers. What do we do? Yeah, I. they, they literally all have to report. And then someone's going to have to go, I guess. Um, that That is interesting now to think Wartfett could be dangled in a trade, but um, I don't know what that would – to me, maybe the younger guys would have more trade. I don't know. I, I really don't know. My thought was that the 40-man would have been somewhat more clear by now because there would have been another trade. I don't think it would have been a big trade. I just think it would have been a trade to get rid of – or free up more roster spots, and we haven't had that yet. Um, so here we are, here we are wondering what's going to happen, but in terms of making the most out of the people that you're going to be shuttling from Scranton, um, the Yankees have these three players in my opinion, or, you know, four, if you include Ward vet, that are not really going to move the needle and are not going to do much or are not going to benefit you for like my idea of a guy being shuttled to and from Scranton. It should be one of two things. It should be a young guy in need of the experience to get the developmental growth for the next level, or it should be someone, for lack of a better term, that you are, you know, using to the nub in order to get the most you can out of them, whether it's a pitcher, um, whether it's a utility infielder, um, and they have to have a clear role and, you know, assignment 
and the Yankees don't seem to do that. They Again, they just seem to fill out roster spots for the sake of having them. Um, so if they want to use Crook as their 2-3 inning guy out of the bullpen, so be it. Start doing it. If they want to use Ramirez solely in low-leverage situations um, and never use him in a high-leverage situa situation solely so he can avoid having the back end of the bullpen be taxed, then so be it. Do it. That To me, they I don't know what they're doing. So if they, if, if they don't have a clear plan in mind, then they got to upgrade. Get me Tony Kemp. Get me a purposeful last player on the bench, yeah. a chemistry inducer. Uh, somebody who good Yankee teams always have a player like Tony Kemp. You don't just cram people into the last spot on the bench and be like, this failed prospect should help in a 2-2 <laughs> game in the eighth inning. Like, get you somebody who can actually help instead of like, oh, this 28-year-old scrub is here. I guess we can send him up for a matchup, you know, platoon advantage. No, don't do that. Uh, and speaking of aging uh, former Yankee scrubs, Gary Sanchez is back in baseball. He is back on a deal that could become a two-year deal. He signed a $7 million deal with an option on Wednesday night. Uh, Two-time All-Star with the Yankees. Recovered last year to uh, actually be above average in San Diego. And one of the rare positive war offensive catchers. 2.4 B-War last year for Gary Sanchez. Uh, still only got on base at a 288 clip. But hit 19 homers with a 113 OPS plus, and that's actually a 116 OPS plus in San Diego because his seven plate appearances with the Mets subtracted 15 points. He was a minus 15 OPS plus there, so funny. it took some took some points off his San Diego totals. Uh, but good season last year. Gary Sanchez rumored to go to the Boston Red Sox. Oh shit! Uh, yeah. Do I fear Gary Sanchez permanently? Like, do I think Gary Sanchez has another 35, 40 homer season in him, perennial all-star? No. But do I want him on the Boston Red Sox? No, I, I don't want that. I do not want him going Fenway Light Tower against the Yankees a minimum three times a year, probably more like five. He loved that ballpark when he played for us. I don't want him in that ballpark, but I'm lucky. I'm a lucky guy because Gary Sanchez has gone to the Milwaukee Brewers, which is just fine. Odd fit with William Contreras behind the plate. Who knows if he makes it to the option year. Don't know if he's going to succeed this year, but I know that if he does, we will not be seeing him to the World Series. There are very few franchises the New York Yankees interact with as rarely as the Milwaukee Brewers. Godspeed. Won't see you much this year at all. Yeah, I, again, another team I don't know what they're doing. Um, this is this would be the fourth catcher on the Brewers 40-man. Um which now makes me think maybe they're going to trade Contreras because mm -hmm. they're getting rid of people. They got rid of Corbin Burns for that package. Why are they going to stop there? That's just my logic. Um, and um, there, there, I guess, is also the possibility that Gary is just the DH who can fill in at catcher. And I think $7 million for Gary Sanchez to be your DH and hit 25 home runs is probably a fine deal. Um, yeah. So I don't know what the Brewers are thinking. I don't know what they have planned after this. Um, it is nice to see Gary land on his feet that second half with um, the Padres after all that unnecessary um, criticism he took with the Mets. Like I remember Mets fans jumping up and down laughing that they signed him because they were convinced it was going to make us look like idiots. And then mm -hmm. after his like third game, he had a pass ball. Um, and struck out three times, and then they were like, enough with this guy. This guy sucks. This guy sucks. Yeah, uh, as much as um, as much as much Gary Sanchez might be frustrating to watch, um, he still has some of the tool. He was Blake Snell's personal catcher in San Diego. Blake Snell won the Cy Young um, over his last 18 starts that Gary caught, I think. Um, his numbers were ridiculous, and obviously Blake Snell's June through September won him the Cy Young because his April and May were horrific. Um, I don't know. Uh, I wasn't sure why the Padres didn't bring him back because they had a funny, unique opportunity to reunite him with uh, Higgy, and, which would have been, which kind of would have been cool. Um, and I think their other catchers are what Luis Campuzano and somebody else that is not going to do anything. Ethan um, Salas, eventually. This oh, Ethan Salas, yeah, in what, five years? Or I guess yeah. they're trying to as soon as possible. Quicker, yeah, a little quicker yeah. than that, but yeah. But yeah, it's good to see Gary land on his feet. It's unfortunate that it's probably with a team that's not going to compete, depending on what they what, what moves they have in store before spring training or opening day. But 
yeah, I mean, his second half was significant. It definitely should have earned him that money, and um, I'm, I'm happy for him. I hope it works out. But, yeah, couldn't be more glad that he is not a Red Sox because you knew how that was going to bite us, and uh, props to the Red Sox for refusing to spend a dime this offseason. Because... Still waiting. Yeah, clock's yeah. still ticking. Red Sox, if you do want somebody to advise you on how to spend a dime, you can get me in the building. You can hire me. I'm available. No, I I don't want to be there. I will ruin your lives. I will sabotage you for sure. I have no interest <laughs> in you. I have no interest in you being good. Um, and speaking of Blake Snell, before we go, I, I don't know if we disagree on this, but I am starting to feel like it might be Scott Boris or whoever's advising Blake Snell that have screwed him out of the opportunity to currently be on a major league roster. Blake Snell is not the only one who's unsigned, obviously. Uh, all of the Scott Boris clients are still hanging out. Jordan Montgomery who's hanging in Boston and would be a pretty good fit for the Red Sox if they wanted to spend, is still not on the team. Matt Chapman, Cody Bellinger, Blake Snell. Scott Boris does a great job of not caring about when a deal gets done, but just waiting out a deal as long as possible so that he gets the right one. Uh, these people are probably not signing one-year pillow contracts. They want long-term deals. Scott Boris did not get them to the finish line. It is February 8th. Mm. Blake Snell is the most confounding one to me because there are flaws in all of these players. Not all of them should be treated this way, right? Jordan Montgomery is not an ace, but he's being held out like one. I, I think Boris is playing this wrong, but I think Snell is the one he's playing the most incorrectly because Snell is an inconsistent pitcher who's a five and fly guy who can get to six innings every so often, but not that often. Teams have interest in him. They've communicated that interest to Scott Boris. The Yankees are still publicly the only team that has presented a formal offer to Blake Snell. That was six years, $150 million. Right ahead of their Marcus Stroman acquisition. So that offer got floated. It did not get accepted. The Yankees signed Marcus Stroman instead. Rumor has it that Snell, the deal has to start with a two. We've also seen reports that he wants nine years and $270 million. That will not happen. I'm not saying he should have accepted five years, one, six years, 150. I'm saying that that's a pretty good starting point for a negotiation between the Yankees and Blake Snell. And instead of rejecting it outright or whatever Boris and Snell did to chase the Yankees right into Marcus Stroman's arms, they should have kept talking. They should have gone, no, we're, we'll do 180. We'll do 165. We'll do 170. Can you do 166? Can you get me near Rodon's 162? Either way, this conversation should have been much longer than it was. And Blake Snell is still on the market a month later. And the Yankees have given him the only reasonable-ish offer that he has received. Yeah, I would agree that this is not being played. We could be wrong, but um, this is not the same as having Manny Machado and Bryce Harper lag into spring training as free agents. Um, those were two of the youngest free agents a team could have gotten their hands on back in 2018. And... Uh, they had value beyond what guys like Jordan Montgomery and Blake Snell do. Um, Machado and Bright and Bryce Harper are face of the franchise esque people. Um, play every day, play both sides of the ball. I understand that there's a different value with starting pitching because they literally control the game every time they're out there once every five days, but um. Machado and Harper had kind of ironclad resumes at that point. I know like Harper had some injury troubles um, and Machado had some perceived character issues, but uh, the track records here for Snell and Montgomery, um, I don't know if it's worth dragging them this far into free agency uh, for, especially, you know, you're coming off these stellar seasons and now Blake Snell's proven he could do it twice. Um, I, I love Blake Snell. I would pay Blake Snell. I, I'd pay Blake Snell $200 million. Um, other teams just probably are not going to do it. Um, you do look at his numbers alongside Carlos Rodon's, though, and they're really not that different. Um, Carlos Rodon, for his career, 911 innings pitched. Blake Snell, 992. So that's an 80 difference of 80. They literally have the same whip. Um or uh, Snell's is better by 0 .01. Um, the strikeouts are similar. I think uh, Snell's got him by 200 in the strikeouts department, but he's pitched 80 more innings. Um, the ERA, 3.83 for Rodon, but that's inflated after a terrible 14-game stretch 
this past year and 3.2 for Snell, which I think is great. Um, but like, they're really not far off in terms of their abilities and their durability and um, their overall impact as a starting pitcher. Um, so I think Boris here is, is maybe overvaluing the Cy Young year for Snell. Um, I don't think it's anything. Snell's never going to have that taken away from me as Cy Young in two leagues, which is absolutely incredible. But um, to get the money that I guess he's looking for and look, it's a tough off season because he's probably, he's got his eyes elsewhere being like, Yamamoto got 325 million. He's never pitched here. I've been here for eight years and I won the best award you can win twice. Like that deserves money for me. Uh, that deserve that deserves $250 million. Does it not? But um, yeah, it, it's a tough case. And I think at that point, yeah, I don't, we don't know the entire details around the Yankees offer or if anybody else offered, I guess, or what Boris actually said, like, did he say fuck off and leave the room or did he say, Hey, we'll work on that. And then the Yankees were like, actually, no, that was the best offer we're going to give you. So now we're going to go get Marcus Stroman. Um, look, I don't know. I would take Blake Snell tomorrow. I'd take Jordan Montgomery tomorrow. Um, it's, it's a tough, it's tough. And it's, it's especially bizarre because starting pitching has never been sought after more in the history of the game. And these guys can't find jobs, which it does. It, it reminds me of like, I'm just hoping it doesn't turn into the Chris Bryant situation where he sat on free agency for as long as he did. And then he's like, fuck it. I'll sign with the Rockies. Cause they'll give me the money. Like I'm sick of baseball becoming that business where you're a Scott Boris client and you are literally, unless you're Jose Altuve, who's taking team friendly extensions three times in a row, you are literally hunting the best fucking contract out there. And you don't care where it is. I hate that part of the game. Um, so I hope there's a resolution here, um, just not with the Boston Red Sox. That's it. That's all I ask. Yeah, Montgomery, I'm still worried about a little bit there. But look, I, I'd take Snell, and, and maybe the Yankees did say, hey, don't bother negotiating. This is the best we could possibly do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but either way, it ended very quickly, and they pivoted to Marcus Stroman, who's somebody that I like, but isn't quite Blake Snell. And and uh, I, I respect the cost. I respect the efficiency of the Stroman deal, but – can't believe Snell's just still hanging out there. And, and he's not coming here at this point. It's just not going to happen. Uh, well, thank you for joining us, everybody. Uh, thanks for joining us every Monday and every Thursday, 2 o'clock Eastern. Or on all podcast platforms in the aftermath or in the Discord channel. If you want to hit that join button, we'll see you in there. You want to establish that community before the season begins. Plenty of time to get that fan community right. Uh, DraftKings again today's sponsor. The promo code is Yard on the screen right now. I'm Adam Weinerb. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner. If you search at Adam Weiner Red Sox, you can find some objectionable tweets that would get me uh, canned by the Boston front office expediently. Thomas Carinante, where can the people find you? At Tommy's underscore takes. The Boston front office would also find disparaging stuff on my end. So don't even don't ask me to work for you. Don't don't do it. Um, thanks for tuning in, guys. Once again. You can find us both at the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. YanksGoYard.com is where our bylines are at. Uh, thanks for reading. Um, we got a lot more coming for you. Roster questions, spring trainings right here, opening day, month and a half away and change, something like that. I don't know. It's going to be pretty sick. Uh, we're having a good time. Don't forget DraftKings. Code is Yanks Go Yard for first time users. Place a $5 bet, get 200 in bonus bets, and then some. Um, uh, what is it? Free, sweat-free, same-game parlays. Whatever the hell you want to do, it's a good time. Super Bowl is three days away. Got to capitalize. Um, once again, thanks for tuning in. We we will talk to you on Monday. Um, enjoy your Super Bowl Sunday. Have a good one, and we'll see you. Yeah, did you guys all get in it, Chiefs plus 2.5? Did everybody have that? Because uh, good luck. It feels like too many people are on it, but yeah, it's Chiefs, scary. Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl, probably, right? Probably. Probably. I don't know. Yeah, we'll all find out on Sunday and we'll talk about it on Monday. Thanks for joining us.